Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. Thank you for coming on uh, Habits and Hustle today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. I've been I've been anxious uh, to have you. Maybe that's a mental. I don't know if that's considered a mental disorder, but I've been very anxious to have you because I've I've heard so much about you over the last few years, and um, I've read your books, the newest one. This is great. I love it. The end of mental illness. You're very welcome, and um, I'm just happy to have you. So thank you. Where are you um, at today? Where am I at? Well, um, I'm at where everybody else is. They're at, they're, I'm at my house because we have to obviously do this virtually. Normally, we do, the, we do this podcast on treadmills. I don't know if you know that or not, but normally you and I are, would, would be walking face-to-face on these behind me, and we would be speaking while we're moving. So kind of help... I'm sure... I don't have to tell you why, but you're the, doc, you're the brain doctor, but you know to kind of help enhance your focus, your alertness, get the blood flow going. Exercise is very, you know, very important for overall brain health, right? Brain, so I brain do doctor. All of my meetings in the morning, walking. See, there you go. You do. How many meetings? How how much do you walk your in the morning? What do you start with? What's your what's your so morning routine? Huddles that are about twenty minutes each. So I oh, get okay. forty minutes of walking to start the day. Oh, perfect! That's great. That's great because it's not one of your tips of how to kind of improve your overall brain health is exercise. Yeah, got to get the blood flowing. Absolutely. What I can't believe, and when I what I was shocked about, and why I was so um, I was actually so interested to speak to you is that I can't believe you're the first do- first you're you're double board certified, correct? Right. I'm a board certified child and adolescent psychiatrist, and also. Uh, Adult general psychiatrist, right? So you're a spe- you're a child, you're you're you specialize in children, but yet now also you also I guess specialize in overall mental health or disorders of some kind. That's what your bio was saying. Yeah, but- you have to do the overall adult thing first, and then I added kids because most of the adult problems start when you're a child. Right. I have two kids. So that's why I, that's another reason why I love I love all of this stuff to kind of see to kind of pick up on things early. But what I was going to say is I cannot believe that nobody ever until you has done brain imaging. I mean, if you go see a heart doctor, or any other type of doctor, they do some type of x-ray. And yet being a psychiatrist, I found I always found it curious that nobody ever took any kind of imaging of your brain you just it's all really subjective to what the doctor would think possibly what may be going on in your brain so what kind of made you i mean it kind of feels like it's kind of obvious but sometimes the most obvious things are not that obvious what made what kind of prompted you to to figure that out and start doing that with people the imaging the spect well i'm not the only one or even the first one I'm just the loudest one. Maybe you're the loudest one. Okay. You're the one that I'm speaking to. Before I went to medical school, uh, I was in the Army. I was an infantry medic. 
and then became an x-ray technician. And that's really where my love of imaging was born. Our professors used to always say, how do you know unless you look? And then when I went to medical school, um, someone I really cared about tried to kill herself. And I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist and I went, oh, I love this. You know, because when you help someone's mind, you help them for generations. But I fell in love with the only medical specialty that didn't look at the organ they treated. And I knew that was dumb. That, you know, making diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological data, it's just subject to way too much subjectivity. And so I started pushing. It's like, we should look. Why don't we look? Everybody else looks. And uh, when I started looking at the brain in the late 1980s, it just changed everything I did. And I thought at the time, all of my colleagues would come along, but in, it's hard to change behavior. Yeah. And, you know, if you're used to, if you make all your money making diagnoses just based on talking to people, when there's a new way, many people don't go, oh, yeah, this would be so cool. So it's been a food fight for the last 30 years. Well, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess my point overall was I can't, I'm surprised that more people don't do it. It's not the norm at all, right? That you would go to a, a psychiatrist and they would do something like that. But it would seem to me that it would make the most sense. I, I had someone on here recently who uh, did neurofeedback. They were like, a, they did, they had a clinic and, you know, they, I went to them and they, they did a whole thing on me and they, and they, and they did scan my brain. And I was like, wow, this is interesting because why would it be that that person would do it, but not a site, you're not somebody who you're going to, who's putting you on major medication, usually lifelong medication doesn't do that, right? So what is your what is your take on neurofeedback? Do you find that even something to be helpful as well in 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 combination with everything? Because they also scan your brain. What do you think about neurofeedback? So I love neurofeedback. It's actually how I came to do the imaging work I do. I was the chief psychiatrist at a place called Fort Irwin in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And it's 1987. And I'm like, oh, we should get state-of-the-art biofeedback equipment. And as I did, I learned how to use it. And that's when I learned about neurofeedback. So biofeedback is you take instruments to measure things going on in your body. And once you know what's going on in your body, it can teach you to change it. And then I learned about neurofeedback. And then from there, something called quantitative EEG. So that's probably how they scanned your brain. And, and then a couple of years later, I learned about SPECT. And, um, and I like both. We use both. At Amen Clinics, we do neurofeedback. And it's one tool to look at your brain through um, the quantitative EEG. And one way to optimize it is you do mental workouts. Uh, right, right. But you don't do mental workouts in the dark. That's sort of like psychotherapy. It's you're doing it based on physiological data on what's going on in the electrical activity of your brain. Or the other study we do, SPACT, looks at blood flow and activity. So I'm a, I've always been a huge fan of neurofeedback. I mean, it's just a natural way 
to train your brain to be healthier for you. Right. How does it work? Though? I mean, it's, it's kind of, I was playing a car when I was doing it, right? I was like watching a screen. It doesn't feel like it's anything's really kind of happening. I was a little skeptical, to be honest. How does that work? And how does that actually tra train your brain or they call it brain fitness? How does it actually tweak or change the neuroplasticity by staring at a screen looking like it's if you're playing a video game? Well, there's much more going on in your brain. Right, right that if you if your brain learns how to get into the right rhythm and the technologist is setting okay your brain is doing too much of this we want it to do less of that and more of this so it'll actually he or she will set the parameters and when your brain gets into that state then it gets reinforced and the movie gets brighter or the car goes or you know however they set up the game and over time your brain learns how to get in to the right state that of course you have to cooperate uh but you know they do it with autistic kids with adhd kids yeah. with people with traumatic brain injury um but you know it's just one way to optimize the brain i mean the first thing you have to do is fall in love with it Right. Um, you know, you have to start caring about it, which means you stop hurting it. Right. You know, right. Alcohol, marijuana, drugs, bad food, hitting soccer balls with your head. I mean, you know, it's just a whole host of stupid things people do um, to damage their brains. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like you're trying to you're, you're reframing, and especially in the, the last book I read, the end of this one, the end of mental illness is about you don't like the word even you want to reframe it to be talking about it's not mental illness it's more brain health right that's kind of the conversation shift yeah i hate the term mental illness i i've always actually hated yeah it. uh ever since i was a young psychiatrist it's shaming it's stigmatizing you know when you call someone mental that's mm -hmm. not a good thing and it's wrong what we've learned from now this massive database of brain scans we've done is that these are brain health issues. Get your brain right and your mind will follow. Now, psychiatry and neurology actually used to be um, the same specialty. Um, but I don't know, a hundred years ago, they got divorced and neurology got the brain, psychiatry got the mind, and psychiatry lost in yeah. that divorce because your brain creates your mind. And if your brain is not right, your mind is not right. And so I'm just like not okay giving the brain over to the neurologists. Uh, I think psychiatry has to own it. Um, and... You know, that means then your diet matters and your level of exercise matters and the right. supplementation matters and giving people medication. And I'm not opposed to medication. Right. But once we start them, they're insidious in that they change your brain to need them in order for you to feel normal. And so it's just never the first thing I think about. I know that's what I was I was like going to talk to you about because it seems to me that's what people typically go to psychiatrists for right to get that prescription 
and then take off. And you talk a lot about the fact that you you use other modes like nutraceutical supplements uh, and, and all other types of holistic ways of 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 healing your brain of healing your your brain or or getting it to an optimized level. But what are you seeing? Like, can you walk me through what when you when you look at these scans and these images? How do you know? I mean, I know you're the prof- you're you're an expert on this, but you know, someone who's severely, uh, you know, who's and you've all, I've always heard like someone like I know you were saying schizophrenia or bipolar. You're not gonna you're gonna put those those types of um, illnesses on medication, right? But other things like anxiety, depression. Uh, ADHD, you'll first try other things. Do you see something in someone in, in those images that make you turn to new like uh, supplements or diet? Like, what do you what's what do you see? What's the common commonality? So, in the end of mental illness, there's actually a chapter called Mind Meds versus Nutraceuticals, and I list for you know schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, um, anxiety, insomnia. Um, so what do I do first? And first I look at the brain because I want to know the underlying physiology of what I'm doing, dealing with. And as you said, for schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, I usually start with medication just to stabilize the situation. But for all the other ones, I'm like, here are 10 things to do first. Uh, the scans, like you're going to tell me if you're depressed or if you're anxious or you can't focus. The scans will give me the underlying physiology because what I learned is depression's not one thing. ADHD is not one thing. Anxiety disorders are never one thing. Um, even bipolar, schizophrenia, they all have subtypes. So it'll help me know what's your type so that then I could target treatment. And so, for example, if you have the classic ADHD pattern, which is healthy at rest. And when you try to concentrate, your brain shuts down. What does that mean? The harder you try, the worse it gets. I'm going to use something stimulating. Now, stimulants can be exercise. Stimulants can be a ketogenic diet. Stimulants can be green tea, rhodiola, ashwagandha, ginseng, L-tyrosine, or it can be a stimulant. And so, you know, in my mind, well, let's try the natural things first. And if they don't work, well, then I'm going to think about a stimulant or, you know, and and I never think of myself as the boss. It's like we have a relationship and um, the coach and it's like, well, we could do this or we could do that. Here are the pros and cons. What do you want to do? I mean, it's called informed consent in medicine, and that's what good doctors should be doing. Uh, is informed consent. The problem with most psychiatrists is they have no clue about natural ways to heal the brain because it's not part of their training program. Right. And they just go to this drug or that drug. And then, you know, when I trained, we saw our patients for an hour or two every week. Uh, in fact, when Freud would do it, he did this thing called psychoanalysis where he mm-hmm. would see them four or five times a week. I mean, he'd really get involved in yeah. their lives. And and I like that because I want to know about your life. I don't want to know just your symptoms and then give you a drug. But in the early 90s, when managed care uh, came over and 
took over medicine. Psychiatrists, because they're the most well-trained of the group, were also the most expensive. They went, oh, well, we can get your therapy done much cheaper with a marriage and family therapist or right. a psychologist. And so we'll let them, we'll pay the, them to do the therapy and you just do the medication. Well, I, I wanted no part of that. And it was right. at that point in 1992, I stopped taking insurance. And I'm like, no, I'm not playing that game. I want to treat my patients and I'm not the pharmaceutical rep, right? I want to get right. their whole lives. I always think of people, like if you came to see me, I want to know your biology. So we'd scan you and do some lab work. I want to know your psychology, how you think and what sort of environment you grew up in. I want to know the social circle. How are you and your husband getting along? What's going on with the kids? How's work? And right. also get involved with your spiritual circle, which is why the heck do you care? You know, why do you think you're on the planet? What is your sense of meaning and purpose? Because Perfect. people get sick in those four circles, right? And mm -hmm. often when they get suicidal, there's trouble in all four of them. Or if they go to jail, there's trouble in all four of them. Or if they go to a psychiatric hospital, there's trouble in all four of them. And people get well in those four circles. So how do you do that 15 minutes a month? Um, it's ridiculous. Right. So, um, you know, the business of medicine forced psychiatrists into working for Eli Lilly uh, or Pfizer, which is just, it's bizarre. And I'm not okay with it. It's not my training. And my experience tells me it's the wrong thing to do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so are you, did you, do you actually see patients still one-on-one? -on -one? You, cause you have all these clinics now and you're, you have like all these other business, you still see people one-on-one. -on -one. I do. I have my own set of patients. Uh, yeah. It just came out this year that I've been Justin Bieber's doc and Miley Cyrus's doc. And you can't have more than one or two of those. No, I was going to say, you've been quite there, busy over there. Because they're really special. And, and I adore <laughs> them both. Um, but I, I spend maybe 20% of my time seeing patients. And I'm also writing and supervising uh, the businesses. Because, you know, if there's no margin, there's no mission. Doesn't, and, right, right. You know, I get criticized. It's like, oh, it's just for the money. It's like absolutely never has been just for the money. I'd have done something else. Uh, right. But, but money is important because we don't take money from anybody except our patients. We don't get government grants and, you know, we don't take insurance. So we have to be really good uh, if people come to see us. I mean, I have a question. I mean, just I wanted to, you just said something that I, I'm curious about, you know, like a lot of these people, like a lot of, you know, Justin Bieber's of the world who, you know, maybe that's a bad example, but I'll use myself as an example. Okay. I took that brain assessment test that, you know, you have for free on your, on, um, on your website. By the way, I've sent that test to probably 400 people. I kid you not. And everyone comes, I'm a seven, I'm a four, I'm a two, I'm a whatever. Um, I came out with, um, I'm type seven, right? And I find this interesting because if I suffered from, you know, you're saying that you give people supplements and all these other holistic ways to kind of help with like any type of like brain issue. But if you're, if someone, and I know not just me, but a lot of people, we eat really well, like my group of friends, we eat really well, we exercise a lot, we sleep okay, 
Um, we do a lot of those other things. We don't smoke, we don't drink, you know, we are taking care of ourselves, but yet a lot of us still have anxiety. A lot of us still have like, you know, you know, not depression, some people, not me, but you know, like other OCD, ADD. I mean, I think I have a lot of like that, that ADHD, but I'm doing all the other things and it's not working. So what, what do you say for that group of people, right? That, that then at what point are we just taking the wrong supplements? Do they, do, is that when you medicate people? Like, what do you? Or you do the right supplements. Right. I mean, if without looking and type seven, so the types are really based on five primary types. So there's the balanced type, type one, that they don't have any of those issues. Type two are our spontaneous people. It's my ADD group. Uh, type three is the persistent people, the worriers. Things have to be a certain way or they get irritated. Um, type four is our sensitive group. They can get sad, um, but they also make great counselors. Uh, type five is cautious. Six is sensitive and persistent. And seven is, I'm sorry, spontaneous and persistent. Seven is spontaneous, persistent, and sensitive. And so um, from a supplement standpoint, um, I'd use, we make focus and energy to help you really with the ADD symptoms and serotonin mood support that can actually help your serotonin levels your mood and your worry and so in my mind that's how i think of it if i scanned you what i would see is your emotional brain is working hard um and a lot of women their emotional brain works hard it's a big difference between women and men um your cingulate is probably up which means you can worry and hold on to things and if somebody hurts your feelings you have trouble letting it go and your frontal lobes may be a little bit sleepy. And so we want to wake them up. And so, you know, there's no rule. People get one thing. And when I see that type, it's often, and, you know, you and I just met, so I have no idea. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's often a family history of alcohol use or some sort of addiction in, you know, your aunts and uncles or stuff like that. Um, an ADD, unless it's from a head injury, it runs in families that, you know, you got it from your mom or your dad, other people. I mean, it's not yeah. something that just shows up. So, I mean, those, those are just some of the things I think of when I go, oh, type seven. Um, and right, we right, right. all the types. Well, no, I was just saying like my, my point was more that a lot of people, like a lot of friends of mine, we're doing a lot of the other things that we're going to touch upon soon about like how you're saying the diet makes a difference about to, to really kind of improve your brain health, what you eat, other ways, sleep, all these other, other things. My point was more that when you're doing all those ancillary things and it's still kind of, you still have anxiety, you still have AD, ADHD, when you have all these other things still creeping up. Is that when you start is that when you start like implementing medication when it's not, or is it all just like it's all relative, right? Like you could be at a 10 and then you start doing these things and you get down to a six, and that could be good enough. Well, it's only good enough. You know, I think people should see us at Amen Clinics 
when their mood, their feelings, their behavior, or their thinking is not what they want and not getting them to the goals they have. Relationships, work, money, right. physical, emotional, spiritual health. When, when you feel like there's something blocking you. Now, 20% of the people who see us, they have no problems. They just want a better brain. It's like, right. okay, brain health is the most important part because without my brain, I'm not me. And so about 20% of people just come because they want to know and they want to plan to optimize it. Most people come because they want to feel better. And uh, you think of medication when you've done the things you can do um, that I talk about in the end of mental illness, like your thyroid's right and your vitamin D is right and your testosterone level right. is right and your hemoglobin A1C is right. It's like you, your physiology is good and I still feel anxious. Then one, you know, we think of something like GABA calming to settle that down or theanine and if we're still not making progress then it's like here are medication options but it is 10th on the list as opposed to first on the right. list more from our guest but first a few words from our sponsor so when you start your hiring process you may have questions will you find good applicants to choose from what about education and experience and how will you know you've made the right hire indeed is here to help millions of great candidates use indeed every day to find their next opportunity you can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast also add skill tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants abilities their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com hustle and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com hustle. Hustle. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through June 30th. And now to our next sponsor. So do you want your team to develop habits that will help them thrive? You need Rise.com, the all-in-one online training system employees love. Rise makes online training easy to create, enjoyable to take, and simple to manage. With Rise, Anyone can easily create guides, courses, and other training content. You can start from scratch or customize hundreds of pre-built lessons, helpful course templates, and gorgeous sample courses to build content even faster. Your learners will love RISE because RISE courses are beautiful, interactive, and engaging. Your managers will love RISE because RISE makes it fast and easy to create, distribute and analyze online training. And your IT department will love Rise because it has everything your team needs to manage online training in one secure enterprise class system. 
See why you'll love Rise by starting a free 30-day trial at rise.com slash hustle. That's rise.com slash hustle. Can we just talk then about just optimizing someone's brain a little bit? Because you're saying that could be, that's 20% of your business, right? A lot of people who are hackers or just overall high performers or whatever want to optimize their brain. Um, what are some, I, I did, I, I did see one thing that you said that I thought was very interesting that people who play racquetball or any racket sport, they tend to, um, they tend to live longer, their blood flows better. Therefore it's very helpful. The coordination sports helps to optimize your brain, right? Is that why the racket is so good? Can, can you talk about that and give me some other tangible ways people can optimize their brain health? So if we think of the mnemonic I have at the end of mental illness, it's called Bright Minds. You want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it if it's headed to the dark place. You have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to coordination exercises like racket sports, um, the B in Bright Minds is for blood flow. Low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. It's associated with depression, ADHD, and schizophrenia. You need to keep your blood vessels healthy, pliable, and working right. And um, the low blood flow scans we see, it just goes with ADHD, brain fog, depression, and so on. And so it means you have to keep your vessel's healthy. You do that with exercise. Exercise, yeah. And you also do it with, you avoid things that hurt them. So caffeine, nicotine, um, alcohol, high blood pressure, any form of vascular disease, you need to take that seriously. Right. Um, and things like exercise, beets, oregano, rosemary, um, help increase blood flow and certain supplements like ginkgo. Um, so, you know, one of the 11, you're just thinking, oh, my diet matters, exercise matters. Okay, most people know that. The R is retirement and aging. When you stop learning, your brain starts dying. So new learning should be part of everything you do. And oh, by the way, you should know your ferritin level. Ferritin is a measure of iron storage. If your ferritin is low, you're going to be anxious and look like you have ADD. And if your ferritin is high, it's associated with premature aging. So know your important health numbers. So with blood flow, we talked about blood pressure. With aging, we talked about ferritin. The eye is inflammation. When your body's inflamed, um, you have mental health issues. Uh, because your brain becomes inflamed and you're anxious or you're sad. And inflammation can come from low levels of omega-3 fatty acids. It can come from gum disease. Um, it can come from a leaky gut. Um, it can come from processed foods or fast food diet. And taking omega-3 fatty acids, flossing your teeth, um, taking probiotics, all of those things can help quell inflammation um the g is genetics what what's in your family because right, we just right. tend to be vulnerable to that the genes aren't a death sentence they should be a wake-up call to get healthy the h is for head trauma a major cause 
of mental health problems that nobody knows about because most psychiatrists never look at the brain. And how would you know if that accident, you got thrown out of the car at three years old, mattered if you didn't look? And and the literature on head trauma is so clear. I didn't make this up. Head trauma, undiagnosed head injuries are a major cause of homelessness, depression, suicide, panic attacks, ADHD, learning problems. And so a strategy is always protect your head. And so when my kids want to go snowboarding, I'm like, no, bad idea, because you're just more likely to have a concussion. When they want to play tackle football, it's like, no, it's not going to happen. Because How old are your kids? Um, my youngest is now 16. And oh, I have grandbabies okay. from 2 to 10. And I oh, adore wow. them. But they're not playing football. Right. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, neglect or abuse, depending mm-hmm. on how you define it. But on average, kids have a concussion every year they play football. That You should never be okay wow. with them. The tea in Bright Minds is toxins. Alcohol is not a health food. Marijuana is not going green. Both of those are directly toxic to brain function. But there's a whole bunch of other things that are toxic. General anesthesia is toxic for some brains. Um, the product. Lots of you, I'm sorry? Lipstick can be toxic. 60% of the lipstick sold in the United States has lead in it. So yeah. I call it the kiss of death. <laughs> um, and now we're, you know, in this pandemic and, you know, people are lathering their bodies with these antiseptics, which are just oh. loaded with toxins. Um, I know. I'm just totally, you, you know, I'm a fan of green products because, you know, the soap can kill COVID. But you don't want all the other things you can't pronounce on your skin because whatever goes on your skin yeah, exactly. goes in your body and affects your body. Yeah. You said, okay, a couple of things you just said, the ferritin that you mentioned, because I don't think m- many people have heard of that. What is that? How do people get tested for that? So it's a measure of iron storage in your body. And is that like a normal blood test? Can you go to just any a doctor? normal blood test, ferritin level? Um, and people who are low, anxious, ADD, tired, can't sleep. People who are high, premature aging. So if you're low, you need to take iron. And red meat is probably okay, you know, sustainably raised red meat. And if you're high, you need to donate blood. So I'm always high. It runs in my family. So I donate blood twice a year and it keeps it at a healthy oh, wow. level. And, you, and then you said for inflammation, well, a couple of things. The, the gut, you're, you kind of touched upon it with gum disease. But um, the other thing is, what's the, what's the correlation between gut health and brain health? They're completely connected. Right. That if your gut is not right, say you had a lot of antibiotics when you were a child because you have lots of ear infections and it really damaged the microbiome, a hundred trillion bugs in your gut, then you may be chronically anxious the rest of your life because you have an unhealthy um, microbiome in your gut. 
So just think of the microbiome as the bug population, where all of us have about 100 trillion bugs in our gut, and they make right. neurotransmitters, they detoxify our food, they help us with digestion. Um, and if they're not healthy, you feel terrible emotionally. And right. almost all functional medicine doctors start by improving the health of your gut, which you need to do with your diet. And, right. you know, people have heard of probiotics. A lot of people haven't heard of prebiotics. That's actually eating fiber to feed the probiotics. So you got to take care of the bugs in your gut by feeding them right and stop poisoning them. Alcohol right. poisons the microbiome. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like it's becoming much more known about the gut health, the brain, the brain and gut connection. But you know, what's interesting about you is like I feel like you're like a combination of a functional doctor and and a and a brain doctor, right? Because you do a lot of the same things that a functional doctor would look at. Do you, it, so when someone goes to a clinic of yours, is that what happens? They they take an overall, you said an overall thing where they talk about your lifestyle, they go through the gut, they, do they do like a, any type of blood test to find out about their gut? Their, or is that, do you guys take a blood test like that there or no? Well, not a blood test, but a stool test. A stool so test, yeah. Can evaluate your microbiome. And I think that at Amon Clinics, we've made three big innovations. And the first one's imaging. If you don't look, right. you don't know, stop lying. Um, right. The second right. one was natural ways to heal the brain. Um, you know, really become expert at diet supplementation. And the third thing is we do it in a bright minds, functional medicine context. If your thyroid's not right, you're not going to be right in your mind. If you have, you're overweight or you have diabetes, your brain's not going to be healthy. If you have sleep apnea, your brain won't be healthy. So I really think of going after all of the bright minds risk factors. Um, and that's actually part of all of our evaluations. And, you know, it's something that evolved over the last 30 years. It's 31 years now we opened Amen Clinics. And it's, uh, you know, it was medication, psychotherapy, neurofeedback, which then went to quantitative EEG, SPACT. Oh, some of the medicines hurt the brain. We added supplements. Oh, if your thyroid's not right, your brain's not right. If you have Lyme disease, your brain's not going to be right. And so over time, we just added the functional medicine component. So, but what happened what, for people who don't, uh, who, who don't live close by to one of your clinics, right? Because you have, you have a bunch of them, but a lot of them are, you have some Atlanta, New York, uh, Costa Mesa, other place in LA. Um, let's go over because I want to give people ways that they can kind of help themselves when they don't have access to, to, to your great clinics. So wait, finish the other principles. So you said you, you kind of talked about bright, what does mind stand for? M I N D S. So minds is uh, the M is mind storms. It's abnormal electrical activity in mm. your brain. And that's where neurofeedback can be helpful as can oh. a ketogenic diet can be helpful. Um, I is immunity and infections, prophetic with what's going on now with COVID-19. Right. Uh, the herpes infections, Epstein-Barr infections, uh, toxoplasmosis you can get from cats, a parasite, 
all of these things can damage your mind. So getting your immune system right, checking and treating infections when possible um, is critical. And in the book, I tell people, this is how I do it. These are lab tests I order. I mean, there's just no surprises. Uh, right. I try to give people as, much it as simple as, as can be. Um, the N is neurohormone deficiencies uh, or abnormalities, higher low thyroid, higher low testosterone. How do you balance your hormones? Because you need trophic factors, you know, factors that help you grow your brain. The D is diabetes. It's this very toxic combination of being diabetic and overweight. Having either one of those is damaging to your brain. I have a new study coming out on 35,000 scans. It's the largest imaging study related to obesity. And it basically says, as your weight goes up, the function of your brain goes down in virtually all areas of the brain. Oh, wow. Um, so diet is critical. And, you know, people have the COVID cushion because chronic stress puts fat around your belly. Mm -hmm. And so it's even more important to exercise, to eat right, and keep your weight under control. I'm a huge fan of knowing how many calories you eat. So mm -hmm. calories matter, as does the quality of the calories. They, they both matter. And if you're having trouble losing weight, you should start weighing and measuring and counting things. I just think of it like a budget. Um, but, you know, if you have an 800-calorie diet of Twinkies, you'll be fat and sick. So yeah. quality matters more. Um, and then the S is sleep. 60 million Americans have trouble uh, sleeping. Sleep apnea is rampant. Getting it evaluated and treated, absolutely essential to having a mind that works right. And, you know, I mean, I, we talked about earlier, if somebody calls you mental, that's a bad thing. If somebody calls you a brain, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, right? I mean, what I what I wanted to say is that right now, especially with the pandemic, everyone's so isolated, right? Like, I mean, every time you think you're not going to be, you're back at home. Do you have any ways, any kind of, again, practical, easy way, not easy, practical, tangible ways people can calm their anxiety? People can, um, can cause, because I think when your anxiety is high, people tend to overeat more, right? So everything is... It, everything is linked together, right? You're saying you the 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 more overweight you get, the 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 less your brain works. But yet, when you have a lot of anxiety, that will be a trigger for a lot of people. To right. so you have to. There are lots of other ways to manage anxiety. I think that's you know, in the end of mental illness in the mind meds versus nutraceutical chapters. I don't. I'm not a fan of anti-anxiety medications like benzos. Because once you start them, people just don't stop them. Right, right. So your I body becomes addicted to it, right? Like your yeah, body yeah. needs it. Yeah. yeah. And when hypnosis, I'm like a big fan of hypnosis. Oh, and are it you? It has a powerful anti-anxiety effect. Meditation, diaphragmatic breathing, singing for some people really helps calm them. Um, of course, it depends on what you're singing. Um <laughs> Diaphragmatic breathing, and it's a specific rhythm I teach like, people. So breathing um, more from your belly. Okay. And what you do is you take three seconds in. So take a big breath and then hold it just for a second. 
and then take six seconds to breathe out. So it's Hold it out for a second and then repeat that 10 times. And some people go to sleep. A lot of people, it just feels like their nervous system settles down. It triggers a relaxation response. And so breathing is so helpful. Get a relaxation playlist. Lavender, when Justin went through a really hard time. I told him about lavender and he got these great lavender sachets and actually ended up giving me one. And it's been found in scientific studies to decrease anxiety and improve your mood. And there's no side effects from lavender. Right. So no. as opposed great. to the SSRIs like Zoloft, they you know, about 60% of people decrease your sexual function, trouble having an orgasm, decreased interest. This is bad for a relationship. I mean, if yeah. you're not sexually active and you don't really care about that, fine. But, you know, this one of the supplements I love is called Happy Saffron. It's made with saffron that's been found in 21 randomized controlled trials to be as effective as antidepressants, but it's prosexual and it helps your memory. So why wouldn't I go with that first? And then if it doesn't work, think about, well, I could try this or that medication. Where would I get the happy saffron? Or where, not me personally, or anybody. Where would anyone find happy saffron? I never heard of it before. But so, Brain MD is our supplement company. It's the company we use for our own patients, and uh, it has all sorts of wonderful supplements. But happy saffron's my favorite. When the pandemic started, I went, "This is going to be stressful," so I started taking it, and my stress level on a scale of one to 10, if one is none and 10 is terrible, has sort of stayed at a three, despite both my mom and dad got COVID. I lost my dad. Um, the oh my gosh. have had effects. And I mean, I'm sad I lost my dad, but I'm not, you know, I've worked every day. Um, and I have these habits, you know, feeling bad is often, a bad habit is so I do positivity bias training. I start every day with today is going to be a great day. That's a BJ uh, Fogg thing. Tiny habits. I actually yes. worked BJ for six months. Tiny and, habit. But he, he was on there. Today is going to be a great day. Is mine. Yeah. That one. <laughs> the big brain health tiny habit that he helped me create was. Before I go do anything, I ask myself, is this good for my brain or bad for it? And so um, when I'm at the grocery store, I just ask myself that question for whatever aisle I'm on. Is this good for my brain or bad for it? And if it's bad for it, I make the one decision not to buy it. And then I don't have to make 100 decisions at home not to eat it. And it's if so you true. can answer the question with information and love, love of yourself, love of your family, love of your mission, you just make better decisions. Yeah. And then before I go to bed at night, I say a prayer and then I go, well, went well today. So I put myself to sleep every night or if I wake up in the middle of the night, what went well? And even the day my dad died. 
and and the day was filled with stress and trauma. Um, I must have gotten 500 texts from my friends, from his friends that wow. were so sweet. And that's how I put myself to bed that night. And, you know, where you bring your focus determines how you feel. And you can train and you got to turn off the news because the news isn't the news. The news is about clickbait and, you know, breaking news every three seconds is complete crap. Um, you need to find a site you trust. Like I like BBC because they tend not to be left or right. They just tend to give you, you know, what it's Facts, the big yeah. stuff. And then I go to the good news network. <laughs> and I'm like, so what cool happened? Today? Right, right. Um, and it's training. You have to, once you have the hardware right, which we've been talking about with Bright Minds, it's really a program to get the brain right. You then have to program it to get your psychological circle right. Absolutely. I, I'm sorry. I'm still on the fact that your your dad passed away during this whole thing. Did he did he pass away from COVID or just from something totally different? Well, he wasn't really healthy. In fact, in early March, he went to the hospital because he had a GI bleed and oh. they didn't really find out what it was from, but it really weakened him. And then both he and my mom got COVID. They ended That's up right. in the hospital together. My sister got it. And... Oh. I put them on hydroxychloroquine and a Z-pack and zinc. And five days later, they went out of the hospital. Um, my mom just oh, got wow. My dad was tested negative for COVID, but it didn't help him. Um, and I think it was just the stack of things a month later, he died. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank so you've you. had a, you're welcome. You've had a tough time this last few months then. Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, losing my dad. Um, I've actually found the pandemic, and a lot of my patients say the same thing, that it just resets your life. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mind at all not being on planes anymore. Yeah, um, no, I've had spectacular dinners with my wife and my kids. Um, there's, I have three kids that live here. Two of my nieces live with us. and. We've just had, it. it's just a time to reset and go, what's important in, right. in our lives? I've been on Facebook 75 times. So I just, that's how, you know, try to support so the community. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I like teaching about what I do because it always reminds me to do it. Right, exactly. Right. You know, yeah. Once you learn something, if you give it away, it actually helps you keep it. Mm -hmm. and now, you know, our support group just helps everybody do better. Well, don't you also have a podcast or you, with your wife? You do some kind of uh, yeah, Ken and YouTube. I have, we've done about 700 of these crazy things. And they're all short, like 10 minutes. But... It's called The Brain Warrior's Way. People can go to brainwarriorswaypodcast.com. And we have great guests. We just had Joan London on. That was super fun. And Dale Bredesen wrote The End of Alzheimer's. Um, but, you know, Brain Warrior, the whole idea is you're in a war for the health of your brain. You need to be armed, prepared, and aware to really win the fight of your life.
because when your brain is not right, everything suffers. Are there certain foods, I mean, besides the obvious stuff like processed foods and, glu and gluten and sugar, is there anything particular that you think is really harmful for brain health? And is there any real, and what are the top three foods besides blueberries and salmon that are really optimal to increase your brain health? So the one that surprises people is corn is almost all the corn is raised with pesticides. Right. And even if it's not, when corn falls to the ground, it kills all of the weeds around it. <laughs> so wow. corn has just got a very bad fatty acid profile. And, yeah. you know, yes, we killed the Indians. They killed us by giving us corn. So I'm not a fan of corn and soy. They are very high in omega-6 fatty acids, making yeah. them pro-inflammatory. Um, as far as good foods, besides blueberries, salmon, nuts, and seeds, and you just really want to think of colorful fruits and vegetables, um, and avocados are yeah. loaded. But they're also very calorie-dense, so you have to be careful not to overdo it. Oh, absolutely. Um, how about in terms of, I was going to ask you something, but then I, we got the cerebellum. We talked a little bit about the cerebellum. You said the front of your head for coordination and stuff like that. Because what you were saying, and in, in, just to kind of rewind, in bright minds, the B for blood flow. Um, that's why people with ADD or anxiety, depression have to be moving and, you know, let, that's to get the blood flow going. Um, is there how is there a correlate? Is there anything about that with the coordination, or it doesn't have to be as long as you're actually moving to get your blood flow? Is there something else in there that talks about the coordination portion that helps with your keeping you alert? You're talking earlier about that. You know, I'm gonna have to run in just a minute. Um, so the cerebellum in the back bottom part of the brain. Oh, okay, it's the back bottom. Yeah, coordination, but also thought coordination, how quickly you can integrate new information. So it's just so important. And it's low in autism and low in ADD. That's why, you know, these coordination movements. And one treatment that surprises people, actually surprised me, is horse therapy is that when you get on a horse, you have to use so many muscles to stay on that it turns out to be a good brain exercise. Now, of course, if you fall off, that's a very bad thing. That's a very bad for your brain. But how many people have a horse? Not very many, right? So is there anything other than, oh yeah, you, were talk you talked about the hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber can help with your brain and warming and warm hands. So How warm hands can lower anxiety. I actually had a patient whose house was shot at and was really, really anxious, woke up in the middle of the night panicking. And she remembered what I told her. She just ran her hands under warm water and it settled her down because it triggers a relaxation response. How? Um, when you warm your hands, it increases blood flow to your hands, and that's triggering this thing called a parasympathetic response. Mm, right. That, you know, when you get stressed, your hands get cold. Right. And warming them is telling the rest of your nervous system, it's safe, it's going to be okay, 
we don't have to be freaked out. So a quick way for people to lower their anxiety, especially in time like this, is just to put their hands under warm water? Yeah. Go in, go in your spa or your take a hot bath. A hot bath. All right. And then the other one is a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. What is that? I mean, most people don't have access to that. I get it. But what does that do? What's, how does that help brain health? Well, we use it a lot. We have it in each of the clinics. It's when you go under pressure with increased oxygen, it increases blood flow to the brain. And there's actually some evidence it increases stem cell production mm. in the brain as well. And are your clinics currently open or they're not open with all, everything that's They've going on? They've been open on? the whole time. You know, mental health time. is an essential service. And a lot of the work, not the scans, obviously, but a lot of the work is done virtually. And we still see people from all over the world. But now that we're able to do it virtually, um, you know, people can make an appointment. If they're near a clinic or they can drive to the clinic then come get scanned. But, you know, we do a lot more than scans. Uh, right. And they've relaxed some of the telemedicine rules so that we can even prescribe medication if needed uh, through our video conference appointments. Oh, wow. Okay. And then I want to ask you one last thing and then I'll let you go. Okay. What do you think of one more? What do you think of peptides? It's a new, I feel like it's a new wellness trend right now. Do you see any, do you have any opinion on how it can help improve uh, brain health at all or? No, not yet. I, I just, I don't know enough research about it. Um, I know some of my friends, my functional friends are doing it. Yeah. Uh, I've just not seen the research. And I tend when there's something new besides SPECT, of course, uh, <laughs> I tend to wait and go, is this going to be real or not real? Um, and then, you know, I just learn more about it. I just don't know enough about it. All right. All right. That's fair enough. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sitting with me today and uh, talking, talking and, and, and giving me such insight on, on your brain, on the brain. And how do people find, I mean, besides the book, The End of Mental Illness, how else can people find out more information? Or actually, I want everybody to go and do the quiz, the free quiz on brainassessment.com, right? That's what it, the website is? Brainhealthassessment.com. Uh, brainhealthassessment.com. And they can also go to amonclinics.com and learn about where our clinics are and all the things we do. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, what a and joy to meet you. Thank you for okay. helping spread the word. Thank you. Have a good one. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, 
Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.